Will the Biden administration be able to force emergency room doctors to perform abortions? Plus, Virginia schools are facing an unprecedented teaching shortage while homeschooling is at an all-time high. When will the public schools wake up? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Before we get into the topic today, I just wanted to share that my husband and I have really been enjoying watching some episodes from this History Channel show called Alone. Have you heard of it, Victoria? I haven't, no. Well, I guess it's been out there a while and we're just now discovering it, so we're kind of behind. But the whole idea is that people get dropped off in the wilderness and you win half a million dollars if you can survive the longest. So in season four, they mix things up a little bit with these family pairings. So it can be brothers or a father and son, and there's one married couple. But here's the whole deal. One person in the family pairing has to trek 10 miles through the wilderness to find their teammate who's setting up the shelter. And the pairings get to choose, you know, before the competition starts, okay, who does the hiking through the wilderness and who sets up the shelter? So we were laughing about this because Michael was saying if you did the trekking through the wilderness, we would lose like right at the start because whenever you have to decide direction, you just automatically go in the wrong direction like every single time. But then I was saying, I, I think the, the other person at the shelter has this little thing that shows where their um, teammate is when they're, as they're going through the wilderness, like a location device like, or just shows their progress. So I was saying I would, but if I did the shelter, I'd go into Barney Fife mode with that thing because I'd be looking at it and I'd be like, he's he's not moving and, you know, like a cougar got him or something. <laughs> so I really want to know if you and Matt had to make this choice. <laughs> what would, would we you, do? Yeah, would you be going through the wilderness or would you be setting up the shelter? Um, that's a really good question. I get lost too much to probably be able to be, I love hiking, but I think if I had to navigate hike, you know, actually have to get from point A to point B by myself, probably not a good plan. But I like this show because we watch shows like Survivor or Amazing Race and people have to work together. And I hate to yeah. say it, but Matt and I on projects together is not always the best thing. So I like this because you're technically on a team together, but you're doing two different functions, not near each other, trying to tell each other what to do. Yeah, but they do eventually have to end up together in the same yeah, location. Yeah, well, okay, that's And then true. they have to win. Do they have to do something after that? What happens yeah, once that, they get so there? Yeah, so once they get together, once the person hiking finds where the person at the shelter, then it's kind of like then it really begins, and they have to see oh. who can survive the longest. Okay, well, we could probably survive together. I feel good about that. But, yeah, like when I watch Amazing Race and it's, you know, um, solving puzzles together yeah. and stuff, I, I kind of have bad visions of how that would actually go. So if it were you guys, you'd have to kind of have your own little wilderness I I zones. Shelter and he would, yeah, so I think that's just better. <laughs> well, Catherine, I would love to hear how you think it would shape up in your... Well, Richard would be all over this. He watches this YouTube channel where this guy goes to islands alone and survives for, I don't know, a weekend. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be caught dead doing this. <laughs> Fair. I I enjoy a day hike on a well-traveled path, <laughs> but I don't love being outside, especially for an extended period of time, and don't ask me to sleep outside. <laughs> okay, it's just a non-starter. But if you had to choose, hiking or shelter building? Um, I would probably do the hiking oh. I, because I feel like Richard would 
build a better shelter than I would. <laughs> but animals. They're there at both places. Yeah, oh, yeah, both places. yeah. I'm sure. I feel like hiking sounds scarier than just being in one place, but you might be yeah, right. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I can navigate pretty well. I've never had to navigate in the wilderness, but I feel like in yeah, general you, you I can are, navigate yeah, pretty well. So I'll let him do the building. That's good. Yeah, and I can see him getting really into the building. And he lifts. Like he'll like yeah. knock down a tree and like lift the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, getting into more sobering topics, you know, last week we talked with the director of one of Virginia's largest pregnancy resource centers, Toby DeBoss, about these vicious attempts to shut down and cancel out pro-life centers. And since then, there's been some pretty major developments that I think it's worth discussing. First of all, after our episode aired, Yelp, this app that millions of people use to locate businesses and other things in their neighborhood, they announced that they are going to be putting what basically amounts to these disclaimer labels on crisis pregnancy centers and faith-based crisis pregnancy centers. They specifically singled out that word faith-based. And these disclaimers, or what they call notices, are going to inform consumers that these pregnancy resource centers provide, quote, limited medical services and, quote, may not have licensed medical professionals on site. What do you think about that, Victoria? Well, on a sort of more light note, I can't imagine getting your medical references from Yelp. But that's a side point. You know, I think you should find out who actually does things well when you're actually talking about medical services. But no, on a serious note, though, um, that is incredibly disturbing. And here's the thing. That is a ridiculous statement of mistruth because most of them actually these days have medical services. So you're actually putting a disclaimer as if you're telling this is like fact checking out there on social media. You know, you don't like something. So you claim to be a fact. And this is actually a, a misstatement. Yeah, it it almost seems like a form of slander, and it just, you know, they keep claiming that they're doing this to keep people from being misinformed, but it sounds like they're in turn misinforming at the same time. No, this is the thing. We cannot have opinions about businesses out there in business directories. We need to just simply list businesses, and that, I thought that was kind of how we did things in America, but we're now deciding what we like and we don't like, and we're acting like we're the truth fact checkers, but yeah. we're not. We're just opinionated, and that's that's a disaster. Yeah, it, it does start to get back to that communistic-sounding social credit system where we're putting check marks on certain people, and, yeah, that's kind of scary. That's how those things begin. Well, then on top of that, you've got the Biden administration just completely overreaching on this whole abortion issue with an executive order that basically tries to force emergency room doctors to have to perform abortions. Tell us what's going on with that. Yeah, it basically amounts to trying to turn our emergency rooms and hospitals into walk-in abortion facilities. And it's it's really actually powerfully explained in some legal challenges that are happening in and around uh, pro-life and Christian medical associations. Um, but basically, the Biden administration is trying to do this through an executive order that twists the, the existing law, and the existing law is the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, to order emergency room doctors to perform abortions deemed, and here's the thing, deemed necessary. Um, But of course, here's the sticking point, what is necessary? Who gets to decide that? So a Texas judge, for example, recently halted the order from being enforced, pointing out that, among other things, that Texas already has a law that allows abortions in life-threatening circumstances. So that was deemed good enough for what Texas had. Yeah, the news from Texas was encouraging, but then we got an opposite ruling from a judge in Idaho who blocked pro-life policies in that state that would have prevented emergency rooms from, you know, being transformed into abortion facilities. So where do you think all this is going to land, Victoria? Well, I think, again, it shows the emphasis of the state-level 
ability to interpret these things. But it's also, this is an executive order that it shouldn't ever be in the first place. So these two being in conflict are ultimately, if they were to continue to be challenged, so if the Biden administration appeals the ruling in Texas because they don't like that ruling, ultimately you're going to have two different circuit courts and you're going to have to have the Supreme Court determine what is it intended by this executive order. And I would say, and is it even legitimately appropriate in the first place? So I guess it just helps us reemphasize that we got to protect our medical professionals. What can we do on that here in Virginia? Yeah, I mean, we do have um, some protections there, but it is a it is a definite concern that you could be one day working in an ER doing labor and delivery delivery and find out that all of a sudden you're now doing elective abortion in your ER. Well, with you saying there's going to be all these conflicting court rulings, ultimately, where do you think that's going to end up? Do you have a hopeful outlook for that? Well, I do think this is where your attorney general matters. And I think our attorney general could interpret this executive order to not be valid in Virginia because of the way that the the Emergency Medical Act was intended for live birth. It is not intended to take human life. And I think he could step in and try to protect us. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. While taking a sharp pivot onto a different topic, I wanted to mention some good news. We now have confirmation with the actual numbers, the data, that there has been a huge increase in homeschooling in our state. In fact, it looks like at least a 50% increase over the last two years with some 60,000 students now choosing homeschooling. And this is according to the Virginia Department of Education's own stats. And then there's several thousand more that are transferring from public schools to private schools. What do you think is driving this, Victoria? Well, we've talked about this before. Parents and students are voting with their feet. They are making decisions that say, I am not going to abide what's happening in the public school anymore. The education system has to wake up about the needs that parents have and respect them and actually attempt to accommodate them. And we are not seeing that everywhere. And they can't just keep operating with listening to the left-wing radicals in these school boards and the teachers unions and ignoring the parents because they're going to see that parents are ultimately not going to stand for it. And of course, on top of those numbers, we also have the Virginia schools are all almost across the board experiencing incredible teacher shortages. So they're starting the school year missing teachers because teachers are fed up too. Yeah, you're seeing these teachers start to join lawsuits standing up for their religious freedom. So that's encouraging. I hope it it really shakes up the system to be more responsive to parents and religious freedoms. I mean, parents have so many reasons right now to be concerned, and that's why they're voting with their feet, as you said. You've got the student scores on the state accountability test plummeting for the second year in a row. I mean, that hurt is especially felt in homes of kids of different ethnicities and those that are in financially struggling households. So I... I just wonder what it's going to take to kind of force a dis- I guess they call it a market disruption. Yeah, I mean if you if you have a child that's in a school where it's constantly not able to get its kids to pass reading scores and you're going to school boards and all they're talking about are crazy left-wing ideologies, you're going to be fed up and you're going to walk out. And honestly, I'm thrilled to see that there are these cases where you're even seeing school policies that are being challenged. You know, we have you know some of this ideology stuff. Uh, there's one out in Harrisonburg, for example, where you actually have parents fighting because these these policies are now hiding information about their kids on gender sexuality issues. I mean, parents either have to fight within the system or they're going to step out of the system. It's one or the other. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting case to keep your eye on um, where the school had it, it looks like there's these situations where educators are counseling kids or have it set up where they can to basically embrace a different igeni- uh, gender identity behind their parents' backs. And you mentioned Harrisonburg City dealing with those issues, um, but that's we're seeing that in different states across the nation with parents actually filing lawsuits to, to fight back. And one way we're working to help parents protect their kids here at the Family Foundation is through parent tools like our Protect Every Kid website. If you want to check that out, that's familyfoundation.org slash protect every kid, because we're going to be launching a whole parental rights initiative through that. So that's familyfoundation.org slash protect every kid. But we're also looking at state policy um, to look at ways to empower parents more. Tell us about the latest thing in that area. Yeah, I mean, the Family Foundation has been involved in trying to make it possible for every parent to make the best decision for their child, no matter their income, for forever. And so we are really trying to take this to the next level. There's a bigger coalition than ever before, more groups working on this, and we are going to try to get education savings account. This is sort of the ultimate thing where the money is with the child, and the child picks the school instead of the money going to schools and us being forced into a specific building because of the zip code that we live in. So this is a big deal. It's going to be a long process, and so we're doing some town halls this fall to kind of educate people on how important it is that they engage, because if people don't step in and advocate with their legislator, we're not going to get this kind of legislation passed and make this choice available. Yeah, I've heard these education savings accounts called the gold standard of the school choice movement because it has the least amount of uh, interference from government. The parents have the most direct control over these savings accounts that operate similar, sort of similar to a medical savings account where they can use the funding, a portion of the funding that would have gone to their child if the child was in the public school, but since the child isn't, they can use it for homeschooling or private schooling. I mean, that's that's tremendous empowerment of the parent to be able to, to meet their child's unique needs. And so if you want to get involved in that, Victoria mentioned the town halls. Keep your eyes tuned for information from the Family Foundation on a town hall near you. That's going to be coming out in the next few weeks or month um, where you can get directly involved. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, we talked about overreactions from the Biden administration on the Dobbs ruling, but I'm sad to say we've got a town right here in Virginia that might be in the running for the most overwrought reaction. Yeah, so this is Blacksburg, and of course that's a college town. It's the home of Virginia Tech, if you're not familiar with where Virginia Tech is located. But the town council there not only adopted this resolution that opposed Dobbs, but it actually went as far as to say that it was seeking to, it was going to push for the expansion of abortion. So maybe that's not surprising because college towns are crazy and and whatever. But what makes this so unbelievably over the top is how the local officials are actually talking about it. So, for example, you had the mayor, Leslie Hager-Smith, saying its citizens were imperiled to local media. Imperiled is the word she used. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of sounds uncomfortably close to equating an unborn baby to a death threat. I mean, it's it's just weird the way she used that word. 
Oh, yeah. And then she went on to compare the issue to having bodily autonomy for other things, like kidney donations. Now, that is just ridiculous. A helpless living human being is not the same thing as a kidney. You can live with just one kidney. The baby can't live if you take its life. Yeah, and the resolution wording itself just gives you the feeling of stepping into this whole stranger things world where things are kind of the inverse of what they should be because it has wording, for instance, stating that Governor Yunkin's proposed ban on abortions at 15 weeks of pregnancy, quote, would create a serious public health concern in our community. Okay, I just have to point out the irony of that because we've been involved in abortion clinic safety for years. And I will tell you, there is no safety happening within our abortion clinics. This is absolutely the health risk is going into an abortion clinic, not having a child. It's, it's just such a crazy world we're in when we start calling organizations or just efforts to save human life a health concern to the public. But wait, there's more. It also states that, quote, the denial of safe abortion care is linked to negative social determinants of health for existing children who are more likely to live below the poverty line and more likely to be exposed to intimate partner violence than the children of pregnant individuals with access to abortion. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, am I missing something here that they are actually arguing that we need to help children by killing them before they're born? I, I don't even know what to say to that. I think that is what they are saying, which is appalling. But also, I just have to comment on the ridiculousness of this term that I've heard over and over. And I hear it, you know, in this, this idea of safe abortion care that, OK, care and abortion should never be in the same wording ever. And safe and abortion cannot be in the same words if you actually look at the statistics. So it's amazing to me that they make abortion sound like it's the equivalent of compassionate health care. Well, I guess that means we're given this week's inconceivable award to the Blacksburg Town Council for essentially arguing that we can help kids by ending their lives before they're born. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.